Good morning. I hope that you are uh, glad to be together over here at RBM. And uh, my heart uh, is deeply involved in the book of Daniel. And uh, I just want to warn you that uh, chapter 7 then begins the prophetic side of the book of Daniel. Those of you who are interested in the end times and what is Daniel thought about the coming of Christ, especially how and where the nations will come together and all of that that is so important to anyone who uh, uh, prays for the coming of Jesus Christ, uh, chapter 7 is it. And so I'm deeply in, the, in it, deeply moved in it. Now the last chapter that we need to cover before that is chapter 6. And it has to do with the plot. Because Belchizer then uh, passes away and dies. After the prophetic uh, word to him, many, many, Tekel Perez, were passing, meaning uh, your days are numbered. And uh, you have weighted your balance and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided. And of course, uh, the Medes and the Persians were in were were, were Darius uh, uh, the king, and so let's begin with chapter chapter six. Uh, and please Darius to set the kingdom over a hundred and twenty princes. Darius is a little different than than uh, Belshazzar. Darius is more softer and tender toward Daniel. Daniel, this time of, the, of his life, is 80 years old. And in his mind, he knows that there's a man in his kingdom who serves God. And is faithful to God. And he respected Daniel. Uh, one of my uh, researchers here uh, uh, came close to the idea that Daniel uh, knew and ministered to uh, uh, the family of Darius. Because it seems like... Uh, he was married to Esther. From the book of Esther, you know that. And so, and over three presidents, so there was 120 princes and three presidents, and Daniel was one of them. And so, Daniel was preferred over the princes and the presidents because of his gifts. Not because of his gifts, but because he was an old man experienced, able, qualified, and people looked and respected him as he came through the halls of the palace. And of course, uh, no error was found in him, uh, no fault was found in him. He was a faithful servant of Darius the king. And he said to these men, You, we shall find, not find any occasion against Daniel, except we find a area concerning the law of his God. We've got to come up with something in a trap here in order to get Daniel in trouble. And of course, you know, if you are a servant of God, and you serve Him all the days of your life, you're going to have to go through something like that. I had experiences like that to where, to where uh, traps were made up against me, and accusations were made up against me, and, uh, and I remember how difficult it was, but the Lord delivered me. So much so that I stand before you today, after close to a Fifty years serving the Lord, and uh, I'm still kicking. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Kicking, kicking, kicking. Amen? And so now, let's take a look at this, and I want you to uh, follow me here. They went to the king, 
the presidents of the kingdoms and governors and princes and counselors and captors, I mean, <laughs> and so, together to establish a royal stature, stature, no, a decree, that's what it means. And the decree is simply this, whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save your king, shall be cast in the lion's den. In other words, 30 days, we find anybody worshipping anything but, but the, the gods of Darius. We're going to just uh, give you to the animals. Now, I don't know what kind of a lion's den is like. All I know is that lions are fed once a day, raw meat. I saw that on TV, so I guess it is, it is the way it is. But when they see a lot of meat, uh, they just go for it. It's just like you going to Brazil into the into the into the uh, restaurant, you know, the churrascaria, and they pass by pieces of meat in front of you, and your eyes get real big, and you want a piece of that, and you want to I don't do that that. And so the decree was just a trap. If we catch anybody in this kingdom worshiping another god, you, you you're thrown in the lion's den. Now, O king, establish a decree, sign the writing, that he would not be changed. And Darius signed it. I don't know why a king like Darius, with experience and quality, could not understand the trap. See, a trap is something that the devil does to discredit the people of God. A trap is something that uh, causes you to lose sleep. And as you follow this, this account, Darius couldn't sleep. He was tormented, bothered. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to his house. So Daniel knew. Now, there was something about Daniel that everybody knew. And it says this, his windows being opened toward Jerusalem. Of course, of course even today, every, every, every synagogue in Israel, the front door is directly toward Israel. You can find the direction of Jerusalem by looking where the door is faced. And so he knelt upon his knees there three times a day. That's a lot. I don't know how long he stayed on his knees, you know. But uh, it, it emphasizes two things. Three times a day and on his knees. And of course, if you're old and have 80 years old, you must have some tough knees. Or your knees hurt. But I remember my father. And I, of course, it's a very personal story that I can tell you. When my father passed away, I went into the hospital and they wouldn't let me in. You know, uh, and, uh, until I identified myself that I was family. And so I went into a, psych a psychologist who told me how many fingers I had. And I told him, I have one down here that I'm going to put over your head if you don't stop this. I want to see my father. I came from the United States, and I have the right to do it. Let's go over there real, real fast. I know he's dead, and that's everything's okay. I'm a Christian. That's heaven. And so he took me to my father's body. Have I told this story? I guess I have told this story. But, uh, and of course, my father was uncovered. And the Bible says you should not see the nakedness of your father. So I uncover somebody's father, and I cover my dad. I'll never forget that. And I had my Bible with me, and I covered the Bible, put the Bible on top of his, of his chest. He was deceased. 
And I lifted the cover of his legs. And I saw his knee. That there was a plaque of hardened skin about to come out. And I picked it up. And it came out easy in my hand. I don't know how to... And I put it inside of my Bible. And I carried it for a long time. It was just, just a callous skin. And so I know that if you're 80 years old and you are on your knees three times, four times a day, it'll create a callus. And I, I, I understand Daniel in his prayer uh, uh, habits to pray before God three hours a day. And uh, hard to do, especially because you're busy during the day. And so, uh, uh, and he gave thanks before his God. And as he did aforetime, uh, the thing here with Daniel is a man of prayer. He wasn't trying to get Darius upset or bothered or hurt or hurt the decree. He went to his house. But uh, you know, when there's a trap, they, they, you could see the people were just staring at him, hiding in the corners, looking to catch him, kneeling down before God. That's an interesting story. Because if there is something that liberty gives us in America, is the ability to pray anytime we want to our God, and nobody can lift, put my hands down. And so they came near and spoke to the king concerning the king's decree. Have not you signed a decree that every man should ask a petition of any man or men within 30 days, save you or king shall be cast in the lion's den? Ah, we know somebody who did it. And of course, uh, they called Daniel. And they answered and said before the king, Then Daniel is the children of captivity of Judah, regards not to your king, nor the decree that you have signed. It makes petitions three times a day. Now, I, I'm interested on the idea that there is exactly 120 princes, three presidents. And the, the testimony here of what's going to happen, it is, it is a testimony that is very, uh, very, uh, how do you say, uh, strong testimony. Very, very powerful testimony. Because here is, here is a, a, a kingdom involved in thousands and thousands of people. Throughout land, boundaries, throughout the world. And something in Babylon is happening. But there's 120 princes. And the incident here involves more people than most never before. Then the king heard of these words and was sore displeased with himself. One of the things that conviction does to your life is that when you're sorry for something that you've done, it haunts your head, your mind, as long as you live. The only way to sort of uh, change that soreness, that displeasing spirit, is to have the person that you have offended uh, to lift the burden, to lift the accusation, and to release you. But it's not something simple. Releasing of an accusation, releasing of a bondage, 
creates a bigger bondage. Because if it's not properly done, it will destroy your peace. And so I can see he was sore displeased, meaning he was hurting. King Darius was, sore means it, it was hurting. It, it, it's not, and so, and he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. He did all he could. You know, he, he labored until the going down of the sun to deliver him. Is there a way on the law? There's a way to do this. Let me call somebody else. What can we do to do with this and so on and so forth? So you can see something in Darius that Belshazzar didn't have it and Nebuchadnezzar never dreamed of. That's a quality, a personality, a fact. Now if you are involved in the issue of this nature, measure the heart of those that are accusing, setting a trap before you. And when you come to that heart and you see a level of zero regards for the other person, zero peace, zero feelings of compromise, you set the heart. And so you can see clearly the heart of Darius, it is a man under conviction. And I love this because when, when, when you're dealing with somebody under conviction, everything can be done. Everything can be solved. Everything can be decided. And, and there's something about this. The peace of God begins to move in the person's heart and in your heart. It's, a, it's automatic. It is done. Only God can do this. I never dreamed that two people would be so tormented until God began to change the heart of someone. The one that accuses is the one that needs to come into conviction. And so, here's the, here's the end of it. Then they assembled, men assembled unto the king. Men meaning all the princes. You know, I'd say a thousand people in the palace. Two thousand, three thousand, four thousand. O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is... That no decree nor stature which the king established may be changed. So it was set in such a way to where Daniel would have to be delivered by the hand of God instead of the hand of Darius. Now, if you have an issue in a family situation, if you are in an issue of a divorce, if you are uh, dealing with a business transaction that went sour, and you are in court with that person, there's something about the one that accuses uh, and the one that forgives. It's always, God is always on the side of the one that forgives. Seldom, ever, God will be on the, on the side of the one that accuses. But when the one that accuses bows his head before God, and here you have Darius, oh God, Oh God, God of Daniel, deliver him. Oh God of Daniel, deliver him. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel to him. What a sad day. You're talking about hours here. And cast him into the den of lions. Now before they cast him out, <laughs> there's something here. Now, king spoke and said unto Daniel. It's good to sort of uh, face the person that is accusing you. And say, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. 
How do you know? How do you know that Daniel served the God continually daily? Well, you know, he's the king. <laughs> he's in the palace. He sees he sees that eighty year old gray haired man coming back and forth and solving major problems in the kingdom and putting wisdom of God and lay hand <laughs> you know, in those days you did not know it with oil. But I can tell you this I feel like Daniel had a little bottle of oil in his pocket. And he'll just umpaw and just anointed and pray for. Something about Daniel was, was captive. People loved him. People came to talk to him. You know, when you had a question that nobody could answer, you know, let's go see Daniel. I think that that's true. It has to be because the king is speaking to him directly. Your God whom you serve continually. How did Daniel serve God? In the palace, in the front of the king, in the presence of the king. It talks about being open to your testimony. Talking about share Christ with those that you meet. Being involved in people's problems. Being involved in counseling to those in need, which we do daily in this ministry. It says, He will deliver you. Isn't that sweet? You're talking about a, 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 a king who served all kinds of gods. Referring to Daniel and his God. The God of Israel. The God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. He will deliver you. It's so good to, to hear that. Because I want to say that to some of you that are listening to me this morning. He will deliver you. You're being accused, tormented, brought to, to, to court, assailed, sued, and bothered, and tormented. God will deliver you. God will deliver you. God will deliver you. God will deliver you. You need to know there's a God who delivers the people of God. And so, uh, a stone was brought. And I quite couldn't understand, what do you mean a stone? I guess, you know, in those days, they, they locked openings with stones. They did it with the, the burial of Jesus uh, 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 in Jerusalem at the, at the, at the garden tomb. Uh, I guess it's the same manner, just uh, find a stone big enough that nobody can push it out. And laid upon the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet. And with signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. What a hard thing to do. What a hard thing to do is to, is to uh, put somebody in the midst of hungry lions. And put a rock on the mouth of the den so nobody could come in, nobody could get out. Sometimes you find yourself in situations like that to where you're inside of that den. There's no way to get out. There's no way. There's nothing that you can do to get out. You, 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 you can scream. You can run. You can hide. But you can't get out. And sometimes the only way God moves in our lives to deal with who we are is when we have no other choice, choice but pray three hours a day. Are you inside of a lion's den right now? Crying out, yelling and screaming? 
that the devil will not cheat you a life? You probably say, Rick, you know, I'm in peace right now. Well, there's a lot of people who are not in peace. There are many, there are thousands of people right now in hospitals, and they don't know if they're going to live or die. This morning we pray for Buster Payne in the hospital in Virginia, in Charlottesville, Virginia, that God will deliver Buster Payne from the lion's den. We ask you, God, that you you deliver, Lord, all the people that we've been praying for in this ministry, hundreds of them throughout everywhere, that God will deliver them. We pray that God will bless them, God will strengthen them, God will protect them because they have no other hope. There's no way to open. There's no way to get out. And when you are in that situation, I want you to know that God will come through. I've seen it over and over and over again. Why Why do I say that? Because for the first time in my life I can say this. I've prayed so hard that my knees are so callous and hurting. I have to have pads on my knees so I can walk because it hurts. But I've been down there. If you've been down there, you have some hope. And so, as the stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, the king sealed it with his signet and the signet of his lords, that the purposes about Daniel might not be changed. Nobody can change. Then the king went to his palace. And passed the night fasting. You know, <laughs> you know that's a... So in those days you eat all night, I guess. I don't know, fasting at night? That was kind of strange. But it simply means fasting from water. Fasting from food. Fasting from talking to anybody. Fasting from asking anybody anything. Just a total time of total surrender to God about the situation that is happening at that very moment. Neither were instruments of music. There it is. You know, if you're a king like that, you get an orchestra to uh, come behind the, the, the silk curtains and, and sing and play a lullaby as you go to sleep. You know? That is kind of interesting, you know. Oh, 15 violins and this and flutes and lyres. Just just behind your curtains and, uh, and singing and you just... Oh, no, that, that was sweet. Well, he fasted at that. No music brought before him. And his sleep went from him. I don't know why, but last night I couldn't slip, sleep a wink. I think I probably was awake all night long. Sometimes that happens. I think I ate something that I shouldn't have. I have no idea uh, of what is inside of that food. But I can tell you this. I can tell you this. I know when there's sleep, and I know when there's no sleep. And I can tell you, Darius, the sleep was taken away from him. As the night descends, the king realizes what a foolhardy thing he has allowed himself to be led in. How difficult, how, how horrible, how stupid he must have been to listen to those princes in regards to one man. You're talking about 120 princes, wealthy, rich, 
in charge of countries and nations. And he was led into it. And so conviction sets him in. There will be a reckon to those that accuse just like that. There will be a day when those that put you down, harass you, and belittle, and come against you to be humbled. And I tell you, as I'm saying to you, looking at you right now on this camera, count my words. Those that accuse and torment the men of God will have to be reckoned with. And so, the king arose very early in the morning. <laughs> very early means four o'clock. <laughs> Why four o'clock? Because it's very early. Early is six. Very early is four. And went in haste unto the den of lions. So, what a sight. You know, in those days, kings wear long robes, signets of, of gold and purple. People all... When they moved, everybody moved. When they run, everybody run. So you can have <laughs> you can have an entourage of a hundred people just running out of the palace, and the king is running after. And, and the king arose very early, went in haste. Not in haste means he's running. When he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel, Oh, 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 oh Daniel, oh, why you mean a lamentable voice? A voice of, uh, of intent, a voice of pain, a voice of hurt. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, is your God, whom you serve continuously, able to deliver you from the lions? Please, Daniel, listen to my voice. I want to hear your voice. And so it's in that intent. It wasn't saying, Daniel, are you there? Hello? Somebody answered. No, he, he is in pain. He is in agony. The only way that an accusing voice receives healing, the only way that an accusing voice is repented and said, if they recognize the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, is in the person that they are accusing. You have to know that the God that is inside of the person that you are accusing will not allow that person to suffer. Then Daniel answered to the king. <laughs> Must have been. You know, I'd like to be a fly on the wall just to be there to, to listen to that voice of Daniel. Oh, king, live forever. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's when you become Pentecostal. That's when you become charismatic, you know. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, glory to God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, thank you for delivering me. And he looks around and there's lives asleep everywhere. And he's just walking around, patting one of those in the head. <laughs> what a wonderful sight. You know, I've seen a sight and a picture of that. Daniel is just sitting, patting, or touching the head of, of, of a, a lion. Meaning, meaning, when you are the object of God's blessings, when you are the object of God's deliverance and healing, there's an element of so much peace, so much joy, so much goodness and kindness that overwhelms anyone who is the receptor of such a blessing. 
And I don't know how to explain to you. But when I pay the budget and I see the hand of God, I have peace. I have joy. When I get on the bus, on the car to get to Atlanta to teach Bible study, and I get down there and I see all those smiling Christians, I have so much peace. When I get into an international plane, heading to a foreign country, and I get down there and I see all those smiling faces singing and praising the Lord and giving hallelujah. Oh, what a wonderful thing it is to just know that I'm in the midst of God's blessings. Now, here's what Daniel says, and I have one minute. My God has sent His angel, and He has shut the lion's mouth, mouth that they have not hurt me, for as much as before Him, innocence was found in me. Innocence was found in me. Meaning, I have not done nothing wrong. Ah, if you could understand that today. I have done nothing wrong. God protects me from the bite of these hungry lions because they found, <laughs> as before him, innocence was found in me. And also before you, O king, I have done no hurt. I have done no hurt toward God. I have done no hurt toward princes. I have done no hurt toward you, O king. Meaning, innocence is a fact that removes the accusation, the condemnation, the lawsuit. You simply just rest on that peace. You rest on that ability to breathe. You rest on that movement of total and complete surrender to God, that nothing in this earth can come to hurt you, or put you down, or harass you. You are under the anointing, and there is innocence in you, and God has seen it. Then the king was exceedingly glad for him, and commanded they should take Daniel out of the den. Now, the word here is, Ooh, <laughs> oh, I don't know what the king said. I think exceedingly glad, it simply means, oh my goodness, my goodness. I mean, there's got to be an expression in, in, in Persian language and the Medes and the Persians, you know, to, to express how we uh, uh, Americans will, will say I'm glad. I think when, when we're glad, we'll say, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. That's how we say <laughs> but But it, they probably... There was a different way to do it, you know, just a little dancing, you know. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, oh, Daniel. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Daniel. I want you to be glad today because God is delivering you. See you tomorrow. Minha 